All right, we have our next hymn, number 59 on your white sheet. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Should be quite familiar for, for Lutherans. Um, the hymn itself, uh, uh, Christian L. Scheidt, uh, 1742, uh, wrote this uh, hymn. Pretty well based, you might say, on Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, where it says, By grace we are saved. And so we're going to have that continual refrain of by grace. Uh, here we have uh, seven stanzas uh, of, uh, I think, original nine stanzas uh, hymn, uh, TLH and... Uh, Augustana dropped it down to seven. Uh, no, it's a ten stanza. Dropped it down to seven. I actually do have uh, the three stanzas that they uh, <coughs> dropped that we could look at. Uh, LW went down to five. But um, the word grace, 16 times in seven verses, uh, seven stanzas. So we're going to start off with, I, I don't have a particular uh, a story to go with this. Sorry, you just wrote this one, as far as I know. Um, what about the word grace? What, um, well, i say it 16 times, I guess we ought to know what the word means. Undeserved love. Undeserved love? Something for nothing. Something for nothing. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, undeserved love, undeserved kindness is is usually kind of the uh, uh, the definition. That's something very different with the church that the Reformation came from taught. In other words, God gives us, God gives, God saves us. We don't save ourselves. Very good. And so when we teach by grace, and and again we can talk about Ephesians two eight to nine. We're, we're, it's a classic one. By grace I'm saved through faith, and this not of myself. By faith, you know, it's a gift of God. Um, nevertheless, there are many other passages, and I would think you know um, another one, Romans four four, uh, talks about this that that it is by grace. And what would be the opposite of by grace? By works, by merit, by what? I mean, and so that's the exact opposite. And Romans actually goes through and says, listen, if it were by merit and by works, it'd no longer be by grace. These two don't exist together. And so, yes, it's, it's obviously teaching something uh, that at the time of the Reformation had been uh, completely uh, pushed aside. So let's, let's take a look. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Repeat. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. So this loving kindness is free. Um, you might say, yeah, yeah, you don't. Uh, there, there's, there's nothing that needs to be done in order to receive it. Um, it is freely given. Uh, and here it speaks about uh, it knows no ends. Um, it, is, it is boundless. It comes from uh, a God who showers upon us uh, eternal benefits. My soul believe and doubt it not. My soul believe and doubt it not. So Mike says it's something for nothing. Um, that's not the way this world works. Um, and so, you know, to believe it and to not doubt it uh, takes some doing. That is, it takes the Holy Spirit working through the Word uh, to, to convince us that in God's kingdom and in God's world uh, that this actually is the way that it works. Why stagger at this word of promise I stagger at this word of promise. Not only in the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, 
uh, the very beginnings from Adam on to uh, Abram and Abraham for sure. Um, but it, it does the same thing in the New Testament as Paul explains it. And then also the Book of Concord, especially the Apology Article 4, picks it up. Instead of using the word gospel, most of the time they use what word? Promise. promise. Why stagger at this word of promise? The law and the promises, it says. Ah, so that we begin to learn that God's graciousness comes through his promises to us. His offers uh, that he gives uh, to us. And again, it is faith that receives these promises, the word of promise, which is the gospel. Hath scripture ever falsehood taught? Hath scripture ever falsehood taught? Nay, then this word must true remain. Nay, then this word must true remain. By grace thou too shalt heaven obtain. By grace thou too and so we obtain heaven. We have the promise of God. Uh, God's word never teaches us anything false. We ought to believe it. We ought to not doubt in it. We shouldn't stagger at this, but say this, this promise comes from uh, God himself. Stanza two. By grace, none dare lay claim to merit. By grace, none dare lay claim to merit. Our works and conduct have no worth. Our works and conduct have no worth. Uh, the scriptures in Hebrews 11 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Um, or, what passage do we have that talks about our good works are like what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. And so here, you know, it lets us know, no, you can't lay claim to merit, and our works and conduct, they have, they have no worth. They're, they're, they're not uh, valuable to God. God in his love sent our Redeemer. God in his love sent our Redeemer. Christ Jesus to this sinful earth. Christ Jesus to this sinful earth. So now we're going to talk about the thing that does have merit, that does have worth, the Redeemer, Christ Jesus. His death for our sins atone. His death for our sins atone. And we are saved by grace alone. And we are saved by grace alone. And uh, when this... <laughs> When the Lutheran confessions and are, are teaching this justified by grace through faith, they teach it by means of what they call the exclusive particles. They go back to the scriptures and they say, what are the words? We're saved by grace alone. It says no merit. They're always pointing to those uh, uh, things that exclude works, or that tell us it is grace and only grace. Those uh, words that, that go along with that, that uh, exclude. And so uh, here we have that, that same thing, saved by grace alone. Not with some alone. Three, by grace, oh, mark this word of promise. By grace, oh, mark this word of promise. When thou art by thy sins oppressed, when thou art by thy sins oppressed. So we have to know that when our sins bother us, when we're oppressed by our sins, that we have to grab on to the word of promise. That is the time uh, that we need to hold to the love of God. When Satan plagues thy troubled conscience. When Satan plagues thy troubled conscience. And when thy heart is seeking rest. And when thy heart is seeking rest. What reason cannot comprehend? What reason cannot comprehend? God by his grace to thee doth send. God by his grace to thee doth send. And so he sends us the comfort. He sends us the promise of forgiveness. He sends us the gospel. When the law has done its work and we are troubled by these things, we go to the word of promise 
and know that we are saved by grace. By grace. Stanza four. By grace, God's Son, our only Savior. By grace, God's Son, our only Savior. Came down to earth to bear our sin. Came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of thine own merit? Was it because of thine own merit? That Jesus died thy soul to win? That Jesus died thy soul to win. Nay, it was grace and grace alone. Nay, it was grace and grace alone. That brought him from his heavenly throne. That brought him from his heavenly throne. Stanza 5 speaks of the confession of faith. Let me read. By grace, this ground of faith is certain, so long as God is true, it stands. So, the ground of faith, the basis for our faith. Um, What we would call in other places uh, the, the chief article of the Christian faith, justification. Uh, this ground of faith, it's certain. As long as God is true, it stands. What saints have penned by inspiration, what in his word our God commands. So, we go back to the prophets and apostles who have uh, written this down for us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God in his word commands, what our whole faith must rest upon is grace alone, Grace in his Son. And so we have, aha, that is what we are to trust in. That is what is uh, uh, to be uh, hung to, um, being the the confession. Um, I did skip over, let's see here, no, six. uh, Let me read for you six and seven um, that aren't included, and later I'll read ten as well. By grace, but think not, thou who livest securely on in godless ways, that thou, though all are called, receivest the promised rest that wakes our praise. By grace, none find in heaven a place who live in sin in hope of grace. What does that one talk about? So, the stanza before, we talk about what? When you're bothered by your conscience, you, you grab onto the gospel. Here it says that those who live as securely in godless ways, those who live in their sin and are not troubled by them and says, I'm fine, everything's good, um, uh, to those who are, are continuing on, It says, though God callest all, if you live in sin, you have no hope of grace. Hmm. Seven. By grace, they who have heard this sentence must bid hypocrisy farewell. For only after deep repentance, the soul what grace imports can tell. To sin while grace a trifle seems, to faith it bright with glory beams. So, if you've heard the the sentence of, of God's grace, you have to bid hypocrisy go away. You can't keep your life of sin and, and continue to live as if that way. And it says... After deep repentance, it beca- this sentence becomes a bright thing that we love. But, but before uh, we come to that, uh, this grace seems but a trifle, just a little thing. Oh, that, what's, what's the big deal about that? Um, what do you think about stanza six and seven, not included? It is, isn't it? Come, it's always the law passages that get cut. Now, I'm not, you know, I love the gospel, but it is interesting that, you know, uh, um, now. What if they cut them just because they don't start out by grace? 
They do. Both of them do. Oh, they do. By grace, but think not. Oh, so they, they actually have it. Well, then why cut them out? Well, I... I um, you know, and, and you can hear someone say, well, you know, um, uh, this is for the people that are at church. Exactly. Ex- exactly. I mean, isn't that what we say? That, you know, not only do we have the uh, parable last week about those who reject the invitation, then we have the parable about the one who's sitting in church and doesn't have his robe on. I mean, um, probably we, you know... I, I, can you say, well, we don't have a repentance hypocrisy problem in the ch- church anymore? You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're all sinners, but first, I think the organist said, no, we're not playing ten. We <laughs> 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 and you know, I, I do get that. Um, I, I uh, let me go on. We'll do the other stanza six on your sheet. By grace, to timid hearts that tremble in tribulations furnace tried. By grace, despite all fear and trouble, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help and strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? So speaking about the furnace of tribulation, which which the Lord brings us all through, that we might uh, uh, grab on to grace even tighter. Stanza 7. By grace on this I'll rest when dying. So now we're going to talk. Oh, yeah, go ahead. By grace I'll, on this I'll rest when dying. Your turn. By grace on this I'll rest when dying. In Jesus' promise I rejoice. In Jesus' promise I rejoice. For I know my heart's condition. For though I know my heart's condition. I also know my Savior's voice. I also know my Savior's voice. So whether it's tribulation in the stanza before or when it is when I'm dying, a lot of things become quite clear. Uh, one of the things, as it says here, I begin to learn, you know, I may have said I was pretty good, I may have said a lot, and then I go, yeah, I know how I really am um, you know, when I'm getting ready to meet. Um, when I know my heart's condition, I need to also know the Savior's voice. I need something that will set that conscience at ease. That is, that is by grace. That's Jesus' promise. Uh, so, bat my heart's condition aside. I've got a promise that trumps that. My heart is glad all grief has flown. My heart is glad all grief has flown. Since I am saved by grace alone. Since I am saved by grace. And so it speaks of the uh, dying and, and all. You kind of say, oh, that kind of works real well for the last stanza. But I got a tenth one. By grace, may sin and Satan hearken. Let, let them know. Oh, you don't have to repeat. Just listen. May, may, may sin and Satan hearken. Let them listen up, sin and Satan. I bear my flag of faith in hand. Hold to my, this is my uh, uh, my flag. I'm holding up uh, uh, what I hold to, my uh, the thing that I trust in. And pass, for doubts my joy can't darken the Red Sea to the promised land. So I'm passing from the Red Sea to the promised land. I'm passing from my baptism all the way to uh, heaven. There may be doubts. But it says, my joy can't darken. They're not going to darken my joy, these doubts, as I bear my flag and go forth. So listen up, sin and Satan. I cling to what my Savior taught and trust it, whether felt or not. Um, quite interesting. That's a great stanza. Why did they leave that off? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, we'll sing through stands. Uh, Even the old Luther fathers weren't always right. <laughs> True. <laughs> By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this 
this word of promise as Scripture ever falsehood taught. Nay, then this word must true remain. By grace thou too shall have obtained. All right, uh, we finished up with the Apostles' Creed last time, so we're moving on to the Lord's Prayer uh, in your little booklet. We're on page 15, so we got done with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, usually we say a summary of the Ten Commandments is the law, summary of the Apostles' Creed tells us who God is and what he has done for us. That's the gospel. So we go, aha, with the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed, we've got law and gospel. We've got a summary of the word of God. Lord's Prayer, third chief part of the catechism. What does that, how does that function then? And so, now that we've been given the Word of God, these are the things that we go, oh, I'm, I'm going to need to pray. Because I now realize what God desires. I now realize His will for us. I need a faith. I need to, as best I can, try to keep the commandments as God has given. That is His will. I, I look at this and I go, oh, these, uh, uh, this prayer then... Uh, comes to my aid, God has given it to me, uh, Luther says in the large catechism, it comes to my aid and helps me with the Ten Commandments and, and the Creed. So, uh, uh, forgiveness of sins, the whole thing, that, that's, that's what we need. So, Lord's Prayer, as the head of the family should teach it in all simplicity to his household. There needs to be teaching going on. Uh, teaching of the children, teaching of the family um, concerning these uh, chief parts. Um, Lord's Prayer, does everybody know the Lord's Prayer? You know, I used to think so. <laughs> but no, Lutheran, I've never heard of it. Now, isn't that interesting? I, I, have, I have heard those say just exactly that. I've heard people that tell me, yeah, I go, I've gone to church for 30 years. It's not I've not heard of it, but you know what? They just don't use it. Um, they're saying once a year or something, or if they have their... Right, right. Um, I even heard a, a, a teacher that, you know, uh, put it down, that that was, you know, uh, she was well beyond that. She had her own prayers and... and <laughs> You're reading somebody else's prayer and you don't really feel it. Well, and you can see, yeah, so that definitely had a, uh, uh, that's not going to work. If we're going to be pietists, we might as well leave all the written stuff behind, even if it's scriptural. Yeah, at Christian Fellowship, I think that's what the kids were taught, pretty sure. And um, my in-laws, I think, kind of think that if it comes from my heart, that it's better than what Jesus said, more or less. They wouldn't say it that way. Just take them to Matthew 15, 19. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, and that's pietism, I guess. It is. Yeah. It is. The heart and the feelings and, you know, just like the last stanza of that, you know, even if it's not felt, it's still true. Well, for them, it's got to be felt. Um, yeah, it's, where did we read that this week? Oh, we were talking, about, I was telling you about, we had a conversation last week. Friday night about that, about you were talking about Christian fellowship, how they couldn't use the prayers that were... Yes, yeah. yes. And I was telling you about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were reading Harris's letter, too. Yeah, oh. yeah. That's what it said. I was at a... Um, you know, and, and, and also how things change with that, you know, I was at a coffee shop that had a little thing, and it, it was a t-shirt that said something like, you know, 18 inches makes all the difference. And... It was this between the head and the heart. And so that was, you You might know about the Christian faith, but it's when it gets to the heart. Now, you can follow, 
you know, where I've taught, God desires not just intellect, not just remembrance, not just knowledge, but he desires that you would love the Lord your God. And now and we talk about a heart thing, creating me a new heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's not what that is talking about. You know, that's talking about uh, um, an emotional giving your heart to Jesus kind of thing. Um, with this one, it begins. As we teach this, our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? Repeat after me. God would, by these words, God would, by these words, tenderly invite us to believe, tenderly invite us to believe that He is our true Father, that He is our true Father, and we are His true children. And we are His true children. So that we may, with all boldness and confidence, so that we may, with all boldness and confidence, Ask him as dear children ask their dear father. Ask him as dear children ask their dear father. In the Old Testament, it was quite common for God to refer to his nation, the Israelites, as his son. So he says, I called my son out of Egypt, and talking about the Israelite nation. Uh, nevertheless, it's not unheard of. I can give you a couple passages that, that refer to it. Deuteronomy uh, talks about uh, how they were sinning and says, Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? And Jeremiah also uh, uh, says you're going to cry out to him saying, My father, you're the guide for my youth. But other than those two passages, it's not very common to call God by the word Father. Um, when Jesus does this, again, not unheard of, but a bit unusual. And for Jesus, when they say, teach us to pray, and he says, okay, we're going to pray and we're going to address him as Father, what about this father imagery? Um, you know, I guess we could address him. Could, could we call him mother? You know, Jesus at one particular spot said that God was like a, a mother hen who was gathering the chicks under her wings, but they were unwilling. At least it's a feminine image, the gathering of a, you know, but I don't think we would necessarily pray to uh, the big hen, the big mother hen in heaven. Um, so the term father, Jane? Well, for a young child, the father is who you look to for your protection, your care. I mean, hopefully. Yes. Um, yes, that's what an earthly father is to be, without a doubt. Um, very good. Sometimes the other religions will take an earthly image and then they will, you might say, put that upon their idol, their, their god. Um, I think the similarity of a human father, but it probably went the other way, didn't it? If you want to say, it wasn't that we looked around and said, well, human fathers are this way, I guess we ought to put that on God, kind of went with God being, well, who he is. Human fathers, as, as you said, well, hope that that way. <laughs> our, our heavenly father, you know, nails it. We as individuals, human fathers, approximate what, what should be. Um, well, this is to the image of a... Of a you know, a father who's not just the provider, but he's he's the one who disciplines you out of love. You know, the, the person who, who, who guides you and you know sets sets the rules that you're you know 
that you know you'll break, but that you're supposed to follow. Also, I think it's interesting to consider, you know, no other religion makes God into a father. You know, they, you know, every other, every other religion, God is, God is this often t- this uh, brutal tyrant king, you know, who, who is only nice to you if you work hard enough for him, that sort of thing. And you know, so, so, so God is very different from these, from the God of these, you know, these, these pagans who make God into something else. Yeah. We, our, we make a God, you know, we, we, we recognize God as Father as a person who cares about us enough to love us, you know, the way a father does, rather than cares about us as things he can use. Was our Heavenly Father thus? Was he a Heavenly Father before day one of creation? Yes. Because why? We got the son. You have the only begotten son from eternity. And Christ calls him father. He does. And so what do we have? This is not just a description of something that he acts like. This is a, a, a title of his essence, of who he is, that he has been a father from eternity and he has had his only begotten son. Now, granted, there was a point in time in which he created the world and heaven and earth and made us as his prime creatures uh, that we might share in his image. Now, we've, we've, we've fell from that. But, but he created us. He, he made us. Um, and so we have a, a, a father. Once we fell from his image, the scriptures say that especially in our baptism, although we can go talk about other things Old Testament-wise, it says that he made us his sons. How did he do that? Adopting us. He adopted us. And so this is uh, God legally by his adoption. And we would say, yes, he did it through uh, uh, what our, our Savior did for us. This term of being father, I want you to remember one thing. Um, most people, when I speak about the term father... We'll talk about creation. That's not wrong, but you must roll into it. We don't just have a heavenly father because he created us. Um, Of course, he is the heavenly father. He created the Jews. He created the Muslims. He created the Hindus. Of course. But he is our heavenly father, not only by creation, But particularly when Jesus says that we ought to pray to our Heavenly Father, it is because of our adoption. It is because we have been born again. Not the physical birth. Of course he did that and he still preserves it. But he does this through salvation. This is a salvation term that others are not able to pick up Uh, The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is speaking about uh, this birth and gift of a salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, Last thing. He is our Father who is in heaven. Sure wish he could get down here. Um, He's up in heaven? Is he ever going to come? No. What does that mean? What does it mean, our Father who art in heaven? Well, obviously, you're making a distinction between the biological guy that, you know, uh, procreated you. He lives in Heron or Carterville or wherever he happens to be. But I think there's more to it than that. So he's watching over us, not just, you know, procreated you. Yeah, hey, Heavenly Father, way up in heaven, maybe you could, like, watch over us, you know, and, and... uh, is, you know, uh, what's the, what's the, Bette Midler, God's watching us from a distance. I mean, it's a thoroughly Jewish, crazy stuff. No, you don't mean that. No, not, I mean, he's kind of over all creation. He's in heaven and he's over it all. And then he's also omnipresent. Uh, right. He's everywhere, including ruling and controlling over all. Correct. So when I say that Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, you don't say, oh, he's not here. No, it's, just, it's like a sign of uh, designation of his, his power.
light. Right. It, it's a designation for him filling all things everywhere. And so, if you've got someone here, he's quite limited. The one who is in heaven can be with all of us at all times and is thoroughly, as you, you not over in the sense of the spatial kind of thing, but is, is, is present everywhere. So, he's ruling from the place, and we usually speak that way, but, but it, it means that there is nothing that is outside of his realm. Yes, it's almost like a title. It is. You know? Yes. And it, it's also it also distinguishes him from from the son and the, and the spirit. Right. Yeah, right. Because the spirit the spirit is here among us, bringing bringing us faith and, 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 and bringing us bringing us the promises that God gives us. And you know, and the son comes to us in the in the word of the sacraments. Right. Well, Correct. I was just thinking it's. You said he's ruling. How would you say he's ruling from? What did you say? But anyway, I was going to say. I'm going to have to replay it. Anybody remember? Right before Mark. I think Mark had. But, um, um, it's the great. I, I say it's 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 not just overall things, you know, kind of thing, but it is, you know, in with and under, you know, that kind of idea. That if he is doing that, he fills everything and all things in all ways, kind of. And I was whatever whatever you said, I was going to add to it. Um, I was trying. I was trying to quote. There's an Ascension Day text that where it talks about Jesus who has ascended, and by his ascended, he fills all things in all ways. I think is the quote that it is. I, I, sorry, I don't remember exactly where. After. But it's kind of it's an answer to the in heaven. It's it has to do with his office and his authority and his. It's I mean it's all that. It is. It is. <laughs> it's it's not just also place. Yeah, it's not like most of the other. Uh, the rest of it is about us. Even when we say our Father who in heaven, is that is that also about for us? there, and that's our, of course, his ultimate purpose is to bring us to him. Yeah. Well, and I think as Luther lets us know that um, he's my father and your father and your father, and that's our. Um, we're, we're in this together, and I'm a part of that group. I'm in that family. I belong to that. In, in a couple of the devotions last week, we had the uh, uh, whichever whichever nation it was, Darius King Persians, Darius and the guy before him, Cyrus. Cyrus, and they were talking about they were talking about. Well, of course, the scriptures call them servants of the of, the, of Yahweh, uh, and they they talk about him as the God of. Heaven and earth. Now, I don't think from these texts we should get the idea that Cyrus and Darius actually ever became Christians, because that's not part of it. God was just using them to to rebuild the temple. But when 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 they make when they make when they call God Yahweh, when they call Yahweh the God of heaven and earth, they're putting him above. All of the other gods that all of the nations here on earth have, he's the one that's really in charge. And we know that. And we can't do anything about it. <laughs> when, when, when you think about it, they're really in a hopeless position because they know they have to do what he wants them to do and they don't want it. And to me, that's really amazing. When you think about the, the the Trinity as being that God, then everything else sort of comes into perspective. But it doesn't really mean a whole lot. That would be a good. Kids are going to elect the speaker, and they did. It's all good. You know, we didn't have anything to do with it. You know, God is—he's engineering all. We're just along 
for the ride. That would be a good study, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or Darius or Cyrus. Um, there's several of those in the Old Testament like that, that um, uh, uh, by means of the prophets and the things that went on, um, get, uh, uh, get a lesson, and, and then they start speaking straight. Yep. Now, I, you know, the condition of the heart is, an, is a completely another matter, but, um, but it's, it's quite interesting how far they, I mean, what comes out of their mouth, you go, Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean they're pastors. Well, yeah. No, no I, I just... Let me get the fan going a little bit. They're saying what I want to say. I don't know that we need air, just yeah. a little yeah. movement. Lots of times the truth is spoken Page 224, please stand. Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It is John 4, 46 to 54. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This is God's word. By grace unsaved, grace free and bound. By grace unsaved, grace free and boundless, my soul believed and doubted not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? Nay, then this word must true remain. By grace thou too shalt have obtained. By grace none dare lay claim to merit. Our works and conduct have no worth. God in his love sent our Redeemer. Christ Jesus to this sinful earth, his death did for our sins atone, and we are saved by grace alone. 
By grace, O mark this word of promise. When thou art by thy sins oppressed, when Satan plagues thy troubled conscience, and when thy heart is seeking rest, what reason cannot comprehend? God by his grace to thee does send. By grace, God's Son, our only Savior, came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of thine own merit that Jesus died thy soul to win? Nay, it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. By grace this ground of faith is certain, so long as God is true it stands, what saints have penned by inspiration. What in his word our God commands, what our whole faith must rest upon, is grace alone, grace in his Son. By grace to timid hearts that tremble, in tribulations furnace tried, by grace, despite all fear and trouble, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help and strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? By grace on this I rest when dying. In Jesus' promise I rejoice, for though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad, all grief has flown, since I am saved by grace alone. So John chapter 4 is the Holy Gospel. Uh, we've got Jesus in Cana. We've got a man who is from Capernaum coming to Cana. It lets us know Cana was the place of the first uh, sign that Jesus did. And now we're at John 4 and it says, well, this again is the second sign which he did. Um, all right, so he's in uh, Cana. We've got a, a, a person in Capernaum. What do we know about this guy? He's a nobleman. He is someone who is employed by uh, the Roman government. Um, uh, it has the word king. Uh, the ruler who was over this had like was given a fourth of the kingdom, but... Um, nevertheless, he is uh, uh, a position of authority um, in the government. He lives in Capernaum, and he has a son who is sick. How sick is he? Dying to death. To death. When it says that he is close to death, what do you think has happened up to this point? So we're at the end of human help. We've, we've done what we could. We've brought in those who could. And probably the words, there's nothing we can do for him. I mean, uh, this, this boy is simply being left for comfort measures. He's left to die. Um, it is with that, that he is at the point of death, that we have this nobleman. What do we know about Capernaum? 
It is. About a day's travel away, good. We, we figure it's about six, seven hours um, or so. There is faith. This man comes. He's a nobleman. He can send somebody. He doesn't. He comes himself. Um, What do we know about the city of Capernaum? Jesus' hometown. They don't think much of it. Yeah, it's... um, they don't think much of him there. And that's where this nobleman is from. Um, things have gotten pretty bad. And now he has come out of Judea into Galilee. He's come to Cana. He's come to implore him to come down and heal his son. Um, he has faith. We had another man that came. Uh, had a, a, a sick servant what now? He was a centurion. He was also in the, in the government kind of work, a soldier of sorts. Um, that man uh, told Jesus he didn't have to come to his house. Oh, you can just say the word. Uh, this man, not so much. Um, faith, yes. Um, but uh, implores him to come down. You've got to come down and heal his son. Jesus takes all of us where we are, um, and this is where this man is. Jesus says to him, unless you people, ooh, you people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. What kind of faith is he accusing them of having? I'm going to say it's not a faith that saves, actually. I mean, when you talk about strong and weak faith, when I'm talking about the, you know, the man who said, hey, you can just say the word, you know, we talk about a saving faith, but a very strong saving faith. Here we talk about a man coming, having faith that Jesus can heal, but he's got to come. I'll say a weaker faith, but nevertheless salvation. When Jesus speaks out to this man, but he is addressed to you people putting him in the category with the rest of them, he's saying to them, you people only believe what? Only believe what you see. You only believe what you see. You're only, when you see the miracle, you go, yep, that's a miracle. What's he accusing them of not doing? Not having faith. Faith that what? That he's the Lord, that he's saved. Jesus did miracles, yes, out of love for them, out of compassion, but they were supposed to be a sign that would lead them to listen to his word and trust in him. There were many people that just came around to watch the show. There were many that had no intention of believing in him. They didn't trust in his word. They didn't give attention to it. They came because they said, here's a miracle worker. And Jesus says, fine, that's what you've come for? You came all the way from Capernaum just to seek a miracle? Is that what you are? You're a part of this people? Ooh. What do you do if you're the man? You take a real good look at yourself. And you go, well, is that what I am? Am I? um, Maybe you've never had anyone accuse you of something in which you had to take a step back and kind of go, okay. You know, you accuse me of being a hypocrite. You accuse me of whatever you accuse me of, not being loving. You accuse me of hypocrisy, whatever it is. Okay. Am I? I mean, let me think this through. Um, This man considers himself. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Why does the man come back with this? Because he's examined himself and realizes he does believe it. Right. He knows Jesus is going to do that. Right. Um, and, you know, if I were, you would know, Jesus. You know that I'm not. 
you know that I'm here because I, I, I believe in you. Um, now, um, maybe you've also had to examine yourself and someone says, you know, uh, uh, about faith and you examine yourself and go, yeah, I do have a weak faith. Um, do I have a weak faith? Why do I worry? Why am I concerned about this? Why don't I? Why do I lie when this happens? Why do I? Most of our uh, self-examination is in repentance. This one is not in repentance, though. It's his, his realization that he, he is correct in his calling to Jesus. So a little, a little different than, I would say, my usual self-examination. Yeah, we don't we don't hear a confession of sins. We don't hear uh, you're right. Which 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 if there is a self examination that you make, about how many of those did you come out of it going, yeah, no confession needed. <laughs> yeah, none. Right? You never you know you never get to the end of that point and kind of go, oh yeah, you know we're good. So there always would necessarily be. He's out of time. He's, I'm out of time, and yeah, maybe I don't have the greatest faith, but Lord, come now. <laughs> just, just come. I'm going to show my faith now. Maybe it was week before, but I'm showing it right now, yep. and I do believe. Uh-huh. By this request, by this, says, no, that's not what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mark? Uh, I, I think that uh, Jesus is, is really testing the whole because he, you know, in the, the previous sentence, he says, unless you, people see signs and wonders, but the nobleman still doesn't get it. You know, so he says, come down, which would be from Cana to Capernaum, right? Okay. Uh, but then Jesus isn't going to do that. You know, he says, I don't think that your Jesus. Your son lives. I don't think that Jesus is... He's going to take the man from his faith, which says you have to come down to my place, and he's going to take him to trusting in his word and his word alone because he goes back with the words, your son lives. Which is faith. Which is is a stronger faith, right? Uh, um, I'm not going to say he goes from unbelief to faith. He believes, no matter what. And Jesus is going to take him there. I don't think that Jesus is saying to him... uh, um, you know, uh, quit seeking miracles, quick, see, quit seeing. But he's saying, has this desire for miracles led you to believe that I'm the Savior? These other ones, it has not led them to that. That's the problem. How about you? Um, do you have faith that I'm the Savior? That's what he's, you know, that's where he's going with it. Are you a part of these, this group here that won't listen to my teaching but just wants to see miracles? Or are you different? The man doesn't go away. Um, I, 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 is there repentance? I'm, sh- I'm sure all parts of us, you know, we always come up. But at the same time, I, you know, I think there are times where we kind of go, listen, I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, I, I believe. Um, and I need you to heal my son. I, I, that, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing myself at your feet. I got nothing else. So I guess in a way they are the same. Uh, our repentance are, is, is us throwing us at, ourselves at Jesus' feet and his crying for help for his son is also that. Correct. And it tells us the man believed the word. Verse 50. So the man believed the word Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Based upon what happens a little bit later, what we find is that, you know, uh, um, probably what happens is, is that by the time this all works out, the man comes here, he listens to Jesus' teaching, you know, maybe Jesus is in the middle of a sermon and teaching, finally gets up to him. By the time he gets this word, let's say it's 7 o'clock at night, he's not going back till the next day. And he has to stay there. But he's got Jesus' word. Your son lives. He's got the word. 
from Jesus. He's got the promise. And that's what he takes with him. I'm going to say he takes it with him all night. He takes it with him as he walks back in the morning. He meets the servants along the way. Um, those words echo back and forth. That's what they say to him. He says, when it happened, that's when Jesus said, what do we have? We have Jesus taking a man where he is and bringing him even, you would say, further uh, in trusting the word and the word alone. Um, for all of us, is, is it always a pure motivation? Um, I think, you know, like, like Cara mentioned, you look at yourself and go, well, I don't really know. Um, you know, what, what brought me here? What brought me back to church? Well, it, it was cancer. Oh, so you're just wanting healed from cancer? Well, um, now that I'm here, <laughs> um, I think I'm going to stay because I need to trust my, you know, whatever it is, God uses those circumstances to bring us back to the word. The question becomes, is that, are you going to leave once you get that? Or are you going to stay? Is it going to go on to trust in the Savior? This man shows, no, I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to hold to the word, not just the miracles. And he believed the word. Questions? To our recitation, recite word by word. Who will help me with the Ten Commandments? Pastor, uh, Apostles' Creed, Eric, Lord's Prayer, Michael, Baptism, Dan, Confession, Absolution, Leanne, and Sacrament of the Altar. Mark, please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. The law of God reproves all sin and breaks down, brings God's wrath. The law requires the entire confidence of the wholehearted man. In repentance, we acknowledge our sin, that there is no good in us. Without faith in Jesus Christ, all are utterly lost. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. In addition to temporal blessings, the Heavenly Father has given to us through the preaching of the gospel by the Holy Spirit, our full redemption and salvation, obtained by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. It is therefore certain that we are justified by faith in Christ alone, not on account of our merits. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. There is nothing so necessary as to constantly call upon the divine name, invoking and begging God to grant us faith and the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments, to preserve and increase faith and fulfillment, and to remove from us all that obstructs and hinders our progress. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, water connected with the word, is truly God's own work received by faith, that it might impart salvation and comfort in us in affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are assuredly reconciled to God as if we heard a voice from heaven. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. We approach the sacrament in order to receive the treasure of Christ's body and blood, through and in which we obtain the remission of sins. This sacrament is given as daily food and nourishment, by which faith may repair and recover its strength against attack and temptation. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we beseech thee to keep thy household, the church, in continual godliness, that through thy protection it may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve thee in good works. To the glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.